The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 17 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, hello, hello. Happy 4th of July. By the time that you are listening to this, uh, 4th will already have passed, but I'm recording on Wednesday. I'm a little late this week. Usually I do Monday or Tuesday, um, and I am preparing for the 4th uh, today because tomorrow my husband and I are going to join a friend out at a beach house out on Long Island, and we are going to do nothing, something I am greatly greatly looking forward to. But yes, so even though I will have missed you by a day, I just want to wish you guys a happy 4th of July. I hope that you all had some wonderful uh, festivities, relaxation, fireworks, drinks, whatever you need. Uh, so yeah, what else? What, what's new? I got a lot of feedback from my my latest podcast, my last one from last week. Um, about my craziest experience teaching open class. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody for your support. Uh, it's, it's interesting because some episodes, uh, when they post, I don't get any feedback whatsoever. And then every once in a while, I'll post one and I'll get like dozens of comments, uh, whether it be on my social media or through DM or private message or even my contact page, my email or by email. So thank you for your support. Now that it is over, I can laugh about it. <laughs> I mean, in reality, it's like a ridiculous, crazy story. As my friend and I used to say when we were training at the American Ballet Theater, Orange County Summer Program, just another chapter for the book. But yeah, it was a crazy, it was crazy at the time, but I, I can laugh at it now. And, you know, anything for a great story, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. And as long as, uh, you know, we survive it. Um, all right, what else is happening? I just want to give you like a quick rundown of what is happening in my life. I recently announced that I am teaching at the Dance Teachers United Convention in Biloxi, Mississippi. And that is uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's next weekend. So it's July. I think it's the 12th, 13th, and 14th. I don't have my calendar out, but whatever that weekend is, <laughs> let's see, the 4th, the 5th. Yeah, it's the 12th, 13th, and 14th. Uh, see how my brain works? I have to like work in reverse. So yeah, um, I will be teaching ballet and contemporary classes there for all of the levels. I'm really excited to take part in it. Um, apparently, this is exciting for me to find out, but apparently some uh, of my followers and listeners have reached out to the convention on uh Instagram looking for information to sign up. So that was pretty cool to hear. It made me feel popular. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so after the Dance Teachers United convention, I will be heading to Los Angeles uh, where I will be visiting family. I might be teaching a master class or two there. I'm still talking to a couple of schools. So if that happens, I will post that on my social media. Uh, what else? I will be teaching. I'm still have my regular Broadway Dance Center teaching schedule Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays for ballet. Um, and then I also have my summer classes on Saturdays from 10:30 until 1:30. That's Advanced Beginner Ballet at 10:30 a.m. And then we have Intermediate Contemporary at noon. Um, and yeah, so because I'll be traveling uh, to Biloxi and Los Angeles, I will not be. Uh, teaching at Broadway Dance Center from, I guess it's like the 11th of July until the 24th of July. So I will have some lovely substitutes taking care of my classes while I'm gone. One is Josh Kohlberg. He is faculty at Broadway Dance Center, one of my friends and fellow faculty member. And then also Gabrielle Lamb. She is the director of Pigeon Wing Dance. She is a Princess Grace Award winning choreographer, um, and she used to be a soloist with Le Grand Ballet Canadien. Uh, and one fun, unique tidbit about Gabrielle is that she, well, Gabrielle and me, we are two of the only teachers in the New York City 
open class scene that teach ballet classes and contemporary classes. Um, so I, I, we're very unique, the two of us. And I, I always try to make sure that when I have substitutes that I can offer somebody uh, special. So I, I'm really excited to have these two people teaching for me while I'm gone. All right. Um, oh, also, I'll be heading to San Francisco for my birthday week. Uh, so it'll actually be a little bit after my birthday. I think it's like the 19th to the 26th of October. So if anybody is interested in having me teach any master classes while I am out in San Francisco during that week, I'd be happy to give up a day or so of my vacation to, to share my, my experience and, you know, love for dance. All right. Now that I got all that out, what else is happening? Um, oh yeah. A heads up. I, I will not be podcasting while I'm in LA. So my next episode will air on the 2nd of August. I just need a break and I want to enjoy my time while I'm out in Los Angeles. So I figured I would give myself the okay to just take that off. So my next podcast will be happening one around one month from when this posts. All right. I usually take a break around the holidays and I try to take at least one uh, episode off during the summer. So that is my episode off. I'm hoping that uh, or not hoping, but uh, that will be my one this summer. Okay. Uh, also, I have a big announcement. There's so many announcements, but I also have a big, big announcement, which I'll be talking about a lot. Uh, I am starting a dance company called Movement Headquarters Ballet Company. Just call it Movement Headquarters. It sounds better. Um, but yeah, so I am starting Movement Headquarters and we're hoping to launch this fall. And that will happen somewhere between, I guess, fall, winter, between November and February. But in preparation for that launch, I am holding an in-studio launch fundraiser. Uh, so it's essentially a fundraising campaign. And on August 24th, that's a Saturday at 7.30 p.m. in the beautiful Martha Graham uh, Dance Studios uh, down in, I think it's like the village. Uh, but yeah, so on the 24th of August, I will be presenting an in-studio showing and we will have a silent auction and we will show a few pieces that we will be premiering in our our company launch and there may be a few other special guests uh in attendance to perform things like that so if you're interested in getting information about that you can contact me via any channel whether it be facebook uh, instagram or my contact page on my website uh, i would be happy to add you to our mailing list and to give you information so that you can attend that or if you're interested in, in helping contribute to get this company off the ground, uh, I would be so grateful to anybody that wants to help us build a company. I got big goals. I'll probably do a podcast about this at some point, but I hope over the years to eventually build this company into a 30 dancer company. It's There are no American companies uh, that are contemporary ballet or contemporary dance companies that have more than 10 to 20 dancers. And I, I, I would love to create a company and build a strong foundation to be able to put on large scale work. So I got big goals, people. But yeah, so this is just the beginning. We are in the grassroots. We're getting things going. So uh, yeah, August 24th, 7.30 p.m., Martha Graham Studios. And if you want more information on that, you know how to get in contact with me. All right. It, it's been a long time since I've done a list episode. And one of my top three most popular episodes of all time was actually when I shared 10 things that reveal a dancer's skill level in class. And I, I don't even know how long ago that was. It was probably like a year and a half ago. And it's funny because I, I can look at my... Uh, like how many people have listened to each episode. And this is like definitely top three. People want to know these things. So it seems like listeners enjoy these these types of episodes. So I figured why not do a new one? This week, I've decided to share 10 expectations I have of dancers who attend my classes. And the reason that I wanted to do this was not just because it's like my own expectations, but it's kind of just like a good set of rules for people to consider when entering anybody's classroom. And that doesn't like just apply to open classes like Steps on Broadway and you, and Broadway Dance Center and Perry Dance and all these New York City places. Or if you got to like Lions in San Francisco or 
Westside Ballet in Los Angeles or the the Met what what is it the Met in Houston. Um, so it's not just open classes. This is tuition based classes, uh, master classes, things like that. Uh, even conventions, which I'm about to learn what that life's about as I start to enter that world. But yeah, so I figured that I would do 10 expectations. I have dancers. People come into my classes from all walks of life, from different states, countries, and cultures. With that said, it shouldn't be shocking that students come to my classes with a range of ideas of how to conduct themselves, dress, expectations, and more. So let me clear things up for you and make sure that we are all on the same page. Other teachers may have a few different ideas on this, but I feel that most of my colleagues and I are are generally thinking the same thing. So let's get things going. All right, number one, come to class physically and emotionally prepared. I bet you were probably just thinking physically prepared, but come physically and emotionally prepared. Don't show up without ballet slippers or point shoes if you're in a ballet class. Don't show up without socks if you're in a contemporary class. Uh, Wear clean clothes that your boobs aren't going to fall out of, (laughs) that your rear end isn't going to hang out. Uh, Make sure you have a dance belt so your junk doesn't flop around while you're dancing. These are all just like things you should do. I uh, was taking a, a one of my colleagues' classes yesterday in order to, you know, keep this body in shape. And uh, a dancer came into ballet class with a sports bra on. Um, and you could see a little bit of side boob. And I was like, I'm not sure if she even thought of this before. Like when she was preparing, was she like, oh, I'm going to look hot in this? Or did she just like throw it on because she was in a rush? Um, she was a little late to class. So maybe that was the reason. But yeah, you want to make sure that your body is going to stay within your clothes. Tube tops and sports bras are not appropriate for ballet. Um, if you're going to wear short shorts, they should be like tights. I wouldn't wear like loose shorts. I've, I, I mean... Open class is a crazy thing. I have seen people wear sweatpants that have been cut into short shorts that they roll the waist. And you can tell that when they start lifting their leg, they do not have any underwear on. So, I mean, do whatever you want in your own house. But uh, especially in ballet, like ballet, it's a very strict art form. You have to sort of be prepared to uh, follow the etiquette in that class. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, wait, make sure that you wear your hair back and out of your face. I don't care if you're a man or a woman, you should have it back. Okay. If you're going to start doing pirouettes and things like that, it's just going to slap you in your face. If your hair is really long and there are other people around you, you can also slap them in the face with your hair. Make sure you've taken a shower in the last 24 hours, bring a water bottle and a sweat towel in the class, turn off your phone, or even better, put it in your locker uh, do some dynamic stretching and a few core exercises because honestly, like I see this happening and I'm not trying to like shade any of my colleagues, but I don't think that we should be wasting time learning how to do abdominal exercises in class. Um, maybe like once or twice to like teach students how to take care of themselves, like cross train, but I'm not going to, unless I'm trying to like get a point across, I'm not going to lay down and spend five minutes just like doing crunches. That is your work. Do those on your time and, uh, well do them because you need to do them. So, uh, I, I make sure that you come a little early so that you can get a little bit of like your heart rate up and a little bit of stretching and then, uh, make sure that your core is prepared for all the crazy things you're going to do in class. As for the emotional side, it's okay to come tired, worn down, and beat up. But if you're coming to class, come in with your core correction prepared. Uh, If you don't know what a core correction is, if you listen to my past podcasts, I've talked about it. But a quick rundown, it's a core correction is a correction that you need to work on that you've been getting recently that a teacher has given you. So you come in with that in mind and you keep on checking in with it throughout class. And that way, even if you don't get any attention or any corrections, throughout the class, you'll already be working on something. If you're feeling emotional about something in your life, check in with yourself and say why you are coming to class and try to use the time in class as an outlet. Don't go into class ready to cry. Don't go into class uh, angry. 
I just try try to it, you, it's okay if you feel these feelings but if you come in and that's all you stew and you stew upon that you're not going to get as much out of it and you might take it out on other people be prepared to receive and apply corrections and if you are in a bad mood like I said check yourself just make sure that you aren't going to project that upon your teachers or your classmates or your uh, musicians accompanists pianists whatever you want to call them maestro um all right so that's the first one come to class physically and emotionally prepared second come to class to learn from me (laughs) if you listen to my last episode episode you may have been in for surprise thinking back to that experience the primary issue with the student was that they didn't come to take class from uh from me and to learn from me instead this this dancer came to class to do her own thing (laughs) <laughs> and when I asked her to function in the way that I, I needed her to in my class, she couldn't follow the rules of my classroom. And it essentially threw her completely off. She was used to stepping into a room and just doing whatever she felt that she needed. And sometimes it mimicked what the dancer said. Sorry, not the dancer, but it mimicked what the teacher is saying. Or at least that was my experience. But uh, that didn't necessarily mean that if I said something different, she would she would have done it. So... Like I said, I received a handful of messages from listeners expressing shock that a dancer would come into my class and speak to me and act the way this dancer did. But you would be surprised to learn that I have regular issues with dancers who don't come to class to learn from me. Some of these dancers come to warm up for their day, others come to recover from an injury, and others, professional and non-professional, come to be guided through practice, uh, but they change more than half of the class to suit their preferences. These people do not belong in my classes. Now, I mean, great. If you need to alter something because you're injured or if you are a professional and you need to alter a few things to just warm yourself up for the day, that's fine. But what I'm talking about is like when a significant portion of class has been changed. If somebody comes to my class, I expect them to want to learn something from me. I always tell higher level dancers that I am not the word when it comes to technique, but dancers should at least be open to my knowledge, experience, and my way. I'm constantly saying, try it. If it works, great. And if not, leave it in my classroom. But for a dancer to come in and alter every combination to resist corrections or to assume that they know better than me tells me that they didn't join my class to learn. And yes, they may know better than me, but the idea is when you when you come into a class, you're, you are coming with an open mind. In my opinion, they should have just rented their own studio space and given themselves class, which... Uh, I did for a period of time when I wasn't in a place mentally, when I was burnt out and I wasn't sure if I was going to continue my performance career, I I wasn't paying to rent space, but I would go to the gym and I would give myself class. There were eight months that I barely stepped into another studio because I had such stress about getting hurt in somebody else's class and finding a class that felt good on my body um, that I just couldn't bring myself to walk into a class. Uh, I, I feel very lucky that my mentor, Nancy Bilski at Steps on Broadway, uh, she brought me out of that because when I would come to New York, I I was taking a few people's classes and I've always been a big fan of Nancy's class. But during the time when I was burnt out and I just couldn't bring myself to step into somebody else's class, her class was the one that like really brought me back to a place where I wanted to be a student again. Because for a while, I just wanted to do my own thing and I felt that nobody could tell me what my body needed because I was always freaked out that I was going to get hurt. Um, but once I was, I found her, her class again, I, I felt eager to learn again. And I, I wanted to do what she asked me to do. And it's, it's really being in that class has blossomed into more than I could have ever expected. And I'm very grateful to her for that. Um, granted, it's funny because she has one of the most popular classes in New York city. And you would think that, having 70 other dancers dancing beside me. Some people don't like the classes that are that crowded, but for me, having the pressure of having other people around me makes me want to try harder. And then having somebody at the front of the room that I really respect and that respects me, uh, it's also very important. So uh, yeah, there was a time that I rented my own studio and gave myself class. So if you don't feel like you can go into a studio and learn from a teacher, that you're just going because you're doing what you need to do, then just rent your own studio and give yourself your own class. If you think that you have your, and I'm not saying this negatively, but if you think that you're far, far along enough that you don't need somebody else's help, then just do that. It, it could actually lead to wonderful things. I think that that's why I became a better teacher because I spent so much time with myself developing my own practice. 
but yeah, so uh, a wonderful example of this expectation happened actually a f- like, what is it, like a week and a half, two weeks ago in my advanced beginner ballet class at Broadway Dance Center. Uh, and this happened when the ever popular Paloma Garcia Lee came to take my, my class. She was warming up for rehearsal with the, the new Moulin Rouge musical. Uh, so Moulin Rouge, they're, they just started previews in the past week, but their theater is like three buildings next to Broadway Dance Center. So we're, we're like on the same block. I pass the theater every day on my way to go teach. But yeah, so she was warming up for rehearsal. It was maybe their first tech rehearsal. Um, and since it's located next door, it's just really easy access. Not only was Paloma exhaustively preparing for the previews of Moulin Rouge, this new Broadway show, she she's also filming at all hours of the day and night for Steven Spielberg's new West Side Story. It's been actually a lot of fun to look at her Instagram account and all the other dancers and friends I have that are in the movie because they're posting some interesting photos and like some of them are even comparisons to the previous cast. It was back in the 60s that the other one was filmed. Iconic. And this is going to be iconic too. I can't wait to see it. But yeah, so Paloma came in exhausted and sore, but she came in receptive and ready to work. There were a few moments where she needed to take, like, to back off the content that I gave to save her body for rehearsal, which, like I said before, I completely respect that. And as a professional, like, that is a professional courtesy that I offer to dancers that have made it into the profession. But she turned it out. And after class, she even came up to me saying that when she returns, which I was like, yay, I'm glad that she likes it. But when she, when she returns, she wants me to continue picking apart her technique and pushing her. For somebody who, beyond her current work, has danced on Broadway, I, I was reading her bio. Um, she had a, I think she had a feature in this Dance Spirit or Dance Magazine, but I, I, she danced in Phantom, I believe, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I actually saw her perform, and she was also on uh, the that amazing Fosse Verdon Verdon show. That's that's been on FX. I'm not through it yet. I'm a little behind, but I'm loving every moment of it. But yeah, so she she has this amazing resume. She clearly has the skill set to book work. But she came to my class to learn from me, and she is eager to keep refining. Um, I was I was honored to have her in my class, um, and I could easily just be like, let her do whatever she wants. But I I want to help her continue to refine. And even though she's made it, like why not keep on going? And I just can't say enough. Like what. What a fine example for any dancer from a recreational dancer to a pre-professional dancer to professional or retired. I'm retired. So, yeah, I I was very impressed. And she was she was doing exactly what the expectation is of a dancer coming to a class, no matter their skill level or their popularity or their their resume. All right. Number three, teaching is a reciprocal activity. I feel like I have talked about this before, um, but I am a huge advocate for this. Teaching is a reciprocal activity, reciprocation. That's like if I give you an apple because you are hungry, the next time that I'm hungry and I don't have food, you give me a pear. (laughs) Reciprocation. Give back. Okay? Okay. I know. You paid for class or your parents paid your tuition, so you think that you are owed my care and some corrections, but it's just not true. (laughs) I I don't do this unless I'm trying to make an extremely uh, strong point, but I don't have to give you any attention or personal corrections uh, in my classes if I don't want to. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you paid money to take class from me, but I am not obligated to find you and to give you corrections. Now, Here's the thing. I want to, and I do my best to try to get to everybody in my classes, um, but I don't have to, and and it's it's just not how it works. But yeah, so over time, I, I usually get a good sense of whether dancers are receptive to my feedback or even interested in my feedback, and I feel that energy. When a student is hungry for corrections and works hard to apply those corrections, it inspires me to push them harder. I don't care how talented a student is. If they don't inspire me with their attitude and eagerness to learn, I will likely pull back from offering my attention and care. I've had students that are extremely talented that after having like 
a few classes with them, I just, I don't have anything to offer them because it, it, it's like, okay, you're amazing. Great. But you don't seem invested in me as a teacher. Therefore, I don't want to be invested in you as a student. So like I said, teaching is a reciprocal activity, kind of like passing a ball back and forth in tennis. If I throw a ball and you don't even raise your racket, is that what's called tennis racket? Yeah. <laughs> you don't even raise your racket to play. After about the third serve, I'm going to look for somebody else to play with. It's the same with teaching. If I offer you corrections and I feel nothing inspirational coming back from you, eventually I may just move on from offering my assistance and insight to somebody that is actually serving that inspiration back to me. When you work hard, I work hard. <laughs> when you improve, I want to work harder to get you to the next level. When you come in inspired and eager, I am inspired and eager. I think that this is probably one of the most important ones I'm going to talk about today. Um, it's just so important. There's so many students that just think that my because my title is teacher that I'm supposed to like magically inspire them. But you have to come in with having done your homework and wanting to get better. And if you do that, I can offer you not the world. I was going to say the world like I'm God, but I will offer you everything that I have to offer you. I'll even go out of my way. That's how you also build mentorship possibilities. All right, that was three. Let's get to four. Practice good dance etiquette. Working in a place like the famed Broadway Dance Center, you learn many lessons from dancers who lack etiquette. I've already talked about a handful of things that are expected etiquette-wise, but I just need to reinforce the idea. Come to class early so that you aren't entering late. If you have to enter late, stand at the, at the door and wait for the teacher to welcome you to class. Uh, especially, like, I teach classes that can be really, really packed. And if there's no room for people to walk, I, I have people that walk in and walk into people, like, within moments. Uh, it is etiquette to walk to the door and make sure that the teacher is actually okay with you coming in. I've had times where dancers have come in 15, 20 minutes late and I've actually said, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't have, I can't you can't come it's already and it's not because i'm like i don't want you here it's because you missed the first few combinations and you're not going to be warm so if the teacher says no just understand that it is final and try again next time don't stand there and argue with the teacher okay there's reasoning for it. it's not just because we want to be nasty nasty teachers it's because we want you to be healthy and if you come in after we've already warmed up to a certain degree you could get injured also, phones off before class. Make sure you don't take somebody's bar spot who has already claimed their space. Uh, hands should be placed at the bar appropriately. So say that you're at a center bar where there are people on both sides of the bar. You say on the right side of the bar, if you're facing the mirror, you'll have three dancers on the right side and three dancers on the left side, but everybody's facing the right. So the dancers on the right side are facing the mirror and the dancers on the left side are facing the back. Uh, you're going to want to alternate hands. So uh, you shouldn't have like two dancers facing the same direction with their hands between the other ones. And what's going to happen is you're going to be too close. So space yourself evenly and there should be alternating hands facing in different directions at the bar. Um, sometimes when you turn, when you detourne to the other side, you might actually have to shift your hands across from the other person and that's fine. Just don't hit them. Just pick your hand up, move it. What else? Uh, if you are close to other dancers, angle yourself when you lift your leg front and back to avoid kicking. I've had that issue as of late. Raise your hand if you have a question and wait to be called back. Don't get upset if the teacher moves on and doesn't answer your question. We have a lot of a lot to deal with in, in class and time can be very, very tight. So if we don't have time, you can come and ask us after class. Lift the bars when the bar is over. Don't drag them on the expensive Marley floors. They won't last as long. Go to the bathroom between bar and center. Uh, and I always say this, like that's the ideal to use the bathroom, the ideal time to use the bathroom. Um, I'm, but if you have diarrhea, like just run. You don't need to stop and ask. I mean, I may give you a little shade, but like there's, I'd rather you do that in the bathroom than in the dance studio. <laughs> so if you really got to go, like go. But if it's something that's not an emergency, just wait until uh, bar is over and go before like in between center and bar, or you can even go like during a longer combination, like Adagio. That's my bathroom time. Uh, every day, <laughs> doesn't matter like how bad I have to go, I will take all of bar um, and then I will do the Tondu combination and then Adagio is usually like two to three minutes. So that gives me enough time to like run and then come back and go in the second group and I don't miss anything. Make sure you can put your arms out and turn around without hitting anybody in the center. I always tell people helicopter, put your arms out, spin around, and if you hit somebody, you're too close. 
Space yourselves evenly in center. Don't block anybody's view behind you. If you have to run off the floor, run forward, then sideways, not back or side. If you do that, you can smack into somebody. It's not going to feel good and nobody's going to be happy. Make sure you're prepared for the next combination four counts in advance. I can't tell you how it drives me nuts. I can't tell you how many times I have seen dancers uh, stand there and then the second the music starts, they just go. They're not even in a position that is balletic and then they just go. Petite allegro problems, grand allegro problems. Uh, don't run into or kick any other dancers. Somebody actually kicked me in class the other day. Uh, we were in center and we were doing, uh, it was like a developé a la seconde. So we we're lifting our leg to the side. Um, and they kicked me. I mean, like, I would be like, okay, if it was an arabesque where it's behind you and you can see where your leg is, I would be like a, a bit annoyed. Um, but the fact that they could actually see where their leg was going and they kicked me, I was pissed. <laughs> and I mean, I feel bad because I, I have to be a positive representative. I, I'm a bit of a public face. Um, I mean, I have this podcast. I teach all over the city. Uh, and I this is also at Steps on Broadway where, where I teach. So I have to be a positive representative. Um, but when they kicked me, I was not nice about it. I actually turned to them and said, I have never been kicked like that before. And they apologized and I didn't say anything and I walked away because it's not okay. It is that that's the issue. We can like laugh or shrug it off, but like, it's not okay to kick somebody. Um, there was a dancer with New York city ballet, uh, a friend of mine, Adrian Danchig wearing, and he was, he was kicked and they broke his foot and he missed months and months of dancing because of it. And granted, sometimes it happens that's an accident. I get it. But it's kind of like dropping your partner. Uh, it's a no-no. Don't do it. It's not okay. It's not acceptable. And if somebody's not nice to you when you apologize, understand that what you did is like major, major problem. Okay? So don't kick anybody. What else? Uh, good dance etiquette. Don't talk too loudly if you are talking in the back. Uh, I mean, ideally don't talk, but if you're... Like if it's a company class type situation, uh, don't talk too loudly. Ask questions. But if you have a lot of questions to ask, ask them after class. Uh, when going across the floor, stand in the corner and space yourselves properly. So if it's one person going across the floor, you stand in the middle of the corner. If it's two people, you stand shoulder to shoulder along a straight line uh, in the corner. If it's three, you do it in a triangle where the first two are like going across for two and the third person goes in the window between them, behind them. And then if it's four, the fourth person goes on the outside of the person furthest to the to stage left. So it's like a parallelogram. Okay. So you want to make sure that everybody in the back has a window that they can see themselves and that the front line is shoulder to shoulder and the side line, sorry, the back line is shoulder to shoulder. Uh, what else? After class, thank both your teacher and your musician. Uh, in my absolute beginner workshops, and it doesn't matter if the dancers are like 70 years old, they are not allowed to leave the dance studio without coming over and bowing or curtsying to me. Um, it's just etiquette. It's a part of our structure of our training. It's discipline, and you should do it. Uh, if you have any questions or you want to talk to the teacher after class, just make sure that you don't take more than a few minutes. Uh, we have lives too. So, uh, and usually there are a couple people that want to ask. I try my best to stay as long as possible. Uh, some days it takes me 20 to 30 minutes to leave the studio area, but ideally for me, it would be five to 10 minutes because I work really hard and I want to get home and I want to eat <laughs> or I have somewhere else to go. So yeah, that is practice good dancing etiquette. Number five, don't distract from the flow of class and remember that the person in front of the room runs the show. This goes back to a few things that I've already said. When you enter a class, it isn't about you, you, and you. We are a community coming together to practice, to learn, and to improve. And to create art. <laughs> but yeah, all those things. If you can't be a good member of this community, you should hire a teacher for private lessons. Okay, And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's not you... Cool, you do you. But if you don't want to be a part of the community that is a classroom, you should only get private lessons, all right? If you find yourself constantly at the center of stressful of stressful tension in class, it might be time to take a, a look at yourself to see if you are the one causing the problem or if you aren't thinking about others around you because 
Uh, yes, you want to get attention. Yes, you want to be in center. Yes, you want to be in the front. Yes, you want a good spar- bar spot. Uh, yes, you want corrections, all those things. But everybody needs to be a part of this and everybody else probably feels that way. So make sure that you aren't trying to make yourself the only person in that class. I actually constantly say, like in plies and tendus, it starts there. The second that you are you enter a classroom, it doesn't matter if it's open class and you it's one time class for you, or if you're in a tuition based program, you need to look around the room, make sure that you're dancing with everybody else, because that's how you start preparing yourself for core dancing. Every dancer should and most every dancer starts in the core, Um, whether it be the ballet or a chorus, if it's musical theater, um, in commercial dance, if you're dancing behind a pop artist, you're gonna be dancing with other people, you need to learn how to dance together. And it starts at the beginning of class. So make sure that you're, you're looking around. What's that saying? die alone live together is that is that from the show lost i used to love that show something like that i don't know but i i don't know if that's even that the saying but you get my point everybody needs to work together all right okay six don't find me unapproachable so don't find your teachers unapproachable but do remember that there are appropriate and and inappropriate ways to interact with a teacher both inside and outside the studio um Conversations, for instance, like when you're in the studio, uh, they shouldn't really be happening while the teacher is teaching. If there's like a lull between bar and center, every once in a while, a dancer will chat with me, um, but usually it's pretty quick. And I usually only keep those conversations with people that know me well um, or friends that are taking class. Uh, Generally, like the conversation that is not related to what's happening in class, uh, it should happen after class. Um, What else? outside the studio just be be aware that while you may feel like you know me very well um you know me professionally very well it doesn't mean that we know each other personally so just uh make sure that if (laughs) that you're not like seeking personal information from me i i am happy to give out my email for things like private lessons or to answer questions um but like inviting a teacher out for drinks or for food doesn't typically happen unless you've been in the studio with that teacher for quite a while and you've developed like conversational skills outside of the studio um i have actually had dinner Actually, recently, one of my my regular students that I've had in my classes since I started teaching at Broadway Dance Center uh, regularly, like two and a half years ago, uh, we've recently started hanging out with them, um, and it's a blast. And but we we made sure that we actually got to know each other. It wasn't like they took one class for me and they invited me out. Um, I I would probably either say no or come out come up with some like what's a good is this Yiddish fakakta, whatever it is. Uh, but I would, I would probably come up with like some excuse, uh, just to not make it awkward. Um, so yeah, don't find me unapproachable. You can come and ask me questions. If you want to know like information about like how to prepare for auditions or anything that didn't happen in class that's related to the profession. Absolutely. Those are questions you could ask, but, um, make sure that you're just being appropriate. Like, uh, uh, Hugs depend on the situation. Um, I remember the first time that one of my my open class students hugged me because they were they were it was an international visa program student and they were having a hard time and I offered them some kind advice and they started crying and just threw their arms around me and I ended up like patting them on the back and it was uncomfortable. Um, that student now they they I know them much better and I <laughs> I would absolutely go in. Uh, but at the time I was kind of, there were all these people around us and they were crying and I didn't know what to do. And then they were hugging me and it's, it's challenging because like, if you listen to the last podcast that I did, like you never know when there's going to be that one person that could take something like that way too far. So just make sure that you have clear boundaries uh, with teachers. Don't feel like you can't talk to them or interact with them, but make sure that it's appropriate. Okay, number seven, don't expect me to fix your technical problems. Um, Now, that might confuse you because my job is to offer corrections um, and to give you information so that you can can get better. But it's actually your job to fix uh, your issues. And that comes through hard work, dedication to regular practice, and intense focus. Um, I can't fix anything for anybody. That's another thing about being a teacher. 
we can only offer information. Like I can grab your body and put in position, but the second that I walk away, it doesn't mean you're going to be able to do it. So I can offer you all the information you need to help yourself, but in the end, only you can help yourself. You are responsible for the work required inside and outside the studio. And there is a lot of work required outside of the studio to be a dancer. Don't just show up without having thought about your practice or without considering what you hope to achieve from day to day. Then once you're in the studio, you need to actually like do the work and don't be afraid to like suffer. I'm like, don't be afraid to fail. I'm going to get to that in a second. But yeah, don't be afraid of those things. We, we exist in a physical art form. Uh, so when you get a correction, physically do it. I can't tell. I say this all the time. I'll give a correction and everybody smiles and they nod their head and they seem really interested. And I'm like, how do you ever expect to be able to fix it if you don't try it? Like you have to do, I don't know. You probably have to do every step at least a thousand times to do it even close to correct at least. Um, so yeah, don't just stare and nod. If you're falling off balance, uh, Sorry, that, that, that was a weird transition. Don't just stare and nod. But yeah, other things. If you're, if you're falling off balance, this is what happens when you, when you have too many notes. Um, if you're falling off balance, grab the bar. Or if you're in the center and you start to fall over, find a way to keep your leg that's in the air in the air. Uh, you can't fix something if you aren't doing it. And I see dancers give up all the time before they even put in any effort to try to fix their technical issues. So yeah, don't expect me to fix your technical issues. Do it yourself. I'll help you find your way. And if I see you trying your hardest, that goes back to that reciprocal activity thing. If I see you trying really hard to fix those things, I'm going to want to help you fix those things. All right. Trust me on that. Number eight, getting close to the end. Wow, this is long, people. I didn't realize that I was going to go more than a half hour, but here we are at 41 minutes in. All right. Don't expect me to coddle you or to offer you unrealistic hopes for success. I'm not here to tell you how amazing you are <laughs> or to build up your ego. Um, my sole job is to make a better dancer. That's it. Um, wow, loud music outside. What you listening to? Getting ready for the 4th of July? All right, sorry, back to the podcast. So yeah, I'm, I'm not here to tell you how amazing you are to build up your ego. Um, if you are somebody who needs constant positive reinforcement, I always tell people, uh, turn to your parents, your best friends, your fellow dancers, your spouses, your lovers for positive affirmation. Good, great, and excellent are great rewards that only come out of my mouth when very well deserved. And even sometimes when they are deserved, my mind is elsewhere thinking about the next combination or thinking about the thing I saw after the great thing that you do, or even thinking about what the next step is to getting you better. I, I probably lose, like, honestly, I probably lose money because I refuse to offer false validation to dancers. Um, and I've even heard at some of my colleagues who work for conventions and competitions that they are actually told in their critiques to, uh, offer gentle corrections and not actually tell the the studio owners and the dancers in those pieces like exactly what they need to fix and i just don't believe in that because what you're doing is you're giving false expectation and false hopes to dancers that think that they're doing well and then if they end up going to a pre-professional program or auditioning for college like dance programs or things like that and they don't get in um then they're shocked and they don't know why like i'd rather just like give it to you straight all right and i'm, I'm not going to coddle anybody through that process but, uh, but yeah, I'm interested in building successful dancers. That's it. Whether you're going to be a professional or not, I don't care. Successful on your scale. Um, and also, bosses aren't required to tell you how great you are from day to day because they pay you. Um, so neither am I. Maybe one day I could be your boss. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be your boss. No, I don't mean it like that, but I am starting my own company. So who knows? Okay. Number nine, don't enter my classroom for the first time and disrespect everybody who dances with me in a uh, on a regular basis. I have a bunch of regulars in my classes um, and they know how the, the classroom functions. So if you're going to enter a classroom for the first time, don't just like walk in and like stand front and center. Um, you're probably in the way. You don't know it yet because you haven't taken a moment to look around and read the room. Um, it's kind of like when you get, I know that not everybody lives near like crazy public transportation, but it's like whenever I get on the subway, I 
as it stops, I'm like, okay, is this part really full? Do I want to go to a different door? Okay, it's not horrible, so I'm going to come in. And then I step on the train, and I look around, and I go, okay, there's nobody sitting there. Can I sit there? Oh, somebody took that. No. Okay, well, there's space by that door and that pole. I could go there, or I could go over here where it's really crowded. What do I want to do? I go, okay, well, I'm going to go to that space there that's uh, by the door with the pole. It's the same type of thing. You don't just like enter a, a teacher's classroom that you've never taken before and just do what you do elsewhere. Um, one of my favorite stories to tell is I was taught as a kid that I needed to prove myself. And every time I entered a classroom, I needed to like run to the front and prove myself to that teacher. But Nancy Bielski, I was talking about her earlier. Uh, teach, she teaches that, that morning ballet class that I take at Steps on Broadway. When I was 15, I was told to take her class. And being a competition convention kid, um, I did that. I went straight to the front. And by like the third combination in center, fourth combination in center, as uh, the combination ended, she grabbed me by the elbow and she goes, there are professional dancers in this class and you need to stop cutting them off. And all of a sudden I was hyper aware of what I was doing. Um, I'm, I'm appreciative that she did that to me um, and let me know like the truth. But yeah, you, you just need to see like how a class flows. Every teacher teaches differently. Every teacher runs a classroom differently. And some of them are okay with just people like doing whatever they want. But a majority of people have regulars that sort of act as a quiet like reinforcement of the rules. So like in my basic ballet class where I have many new dancers that come in with very little to no experience, I always tell them, don't stand at the front bar when we start. Stand in, stand in a, a bar further back. Make sure you're not standing on the end. Make sure that you are checking. If, if there are two people at every single bar, look around. And if you decide to be the third person on the bar and there's an empty spot, you might be uh, you might be squeezing too many people in a bar. Like simple things like that. Just that's that's how you should do it. And then if you really like the class, as you come back, eventually you can become one of those people. But it should be a few classes before you like really just like do whatever you feel that you want to do in class because there's probably a, a code of etiquette that's happening here, which I already talked about. Okay. Um, all right. Number 10. Number 10. I expect you to struggle and fail every day in my classes. Um, there is a culture, at least here in the United States, that failure is bad. Um, and that struggling is bad. I mean, you see it even just in like politics and in, uh, class, like it's really hard for people that are lower class, like in immigrants or people that are poor and struggling, um, to get out of that, uh, their place in life. And the reason for that is because the people that are not struggling, uh, many of them have not struggled in a way and they don't know how hard it is to get out of that. Like say that somebody, uh, they had really bad medical bills and they ended up getting kicked out of their house and living in a homeless center. And then they can't get a job because they don't have an address. Um, and they haven't worked for a while because they, uh, they got, kicked out like there, there, there's so many things I'm going a little off track here but it's it's the idea that like there's struggle it, it's harder to get out of a struggle when you don't have the means okay um so there's like a negative connotation uh when it comes to struggle and failure but in my class I expect you to do those things struggling is the only way that you are going to get stronger so say that you can only hold your leg for four counts well if you struggle into the fifth and sixth count your leg vibrates and shakes then maybe you'll eventually be able to hold it for those six counts and it won't vibrate and shake um same thing with pirouettes maybe you uh fall out of a double pirouette uh, constantly. But if you keep on practicing one day, you'll be able to do double pirouette. And then we get to have the joy of the next struggle, the triple pirouette, the struggle to the quad pirouette, all of those different things. Um, if something goes wrong, I understand frustration. I get frustrated too. Um, but if something goes wrong and you fail, uh, don't let it, don't let it like set you so, so far off that you don't want to do it again. Um, I, I, I always say you shouldn't like, don't get frustrated, get determined. So, um, instead of getting angry about it and like sad or melancholic, think like, I want to, I want to get this, be as determined as possible and make it happen. So, uh, if you're given a combination that you think is too hard, go for it. It's okay. If you fail, it's fine. One day you will not fail. 
Um, and it is my job as a teacher to make you fail constantly because you won't move to that next level if I don't give you something too hard. So I, in my classes, I go back and forth between giving combinations that are at the level that the dancers should be performing to sort of let them have time to refine it and then giving combinations that are too hard so that they can push to that next level. So yeah, struggle and fail every day in my class. So those are my 10 expectations of you uh, when you enter my classroom. And like I said, I'm pretty sure that uh, a lot of these also, uh, they, they are the same for other instructors. Um, I'd be curious to hear what some other uh, teachers' expectations are. Also, what, are, what, are, what would your expectations be as a student for the teacher? Um, so if you have any of those things, you can reach out to me through either DMP, PM, or a uh, my contact page, which I'll give you the, the website in my final outro. Um, but yeah, I hope you all had a wonderful 4th of July. It's going to be a little while before I get to chat with you guys again. I will be back the first week of August. Um, and I will probably do some type of podcast about the development of my new company, Movement Headquarters Ballet Company, because um, I'm, I'm already getting excited and I'm very nervous. But yeah, I'm getting very excited about what, what we're about to do. Some of my dancers are some wonderful dancers coming from wonderful companies with great professional experience. And then uh, a few that I'm also hoping to develop that are coming fresh out of school. So um, yeah, that's what is going on this summer. Alrighty, guys, I am going to call a close to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod of Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing and teaching and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com. On there, I wrote about freelancing as an artist and dancer and uh, working as an independent contractor for over five years. I also have Dancing Offstage, and you can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And on there, I talked about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have a YouTube channel that features my choreography and you can get to that by going to youtube.com, going in the search bar and typing in B Corollas, B-K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S. Thanks for listening in to Pop of Chat. I hope you return not two weeks from this Friday, but in one month to talk dance with me and remember to go out and support your local dance scene. Thank you.